the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be with you this morning and talk about what I love and what I think everybody else loves or wants to know about, and that's real estate across the country, across the nation, all over. Um, I think it's a universal language. Everybody wants to know about real estate. Okay, so please, okay, I want you to pay great attention because we have some great guests. This week we have Three special guests from 10 to 11. We have Stephen Moranis, who is a real estate strategist and a columnist for the Financial Post. Hyder Moranis Bulletin. Stephen is the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and former director of the Canadian Real Estate Association. And we have worked together for many years. I won't say how long, but many. At 11 o'clock, we'll be joined by Donald M. Ratner. He's an architect and author of My Creative Space. And he's going to talk about how to design your home to stimulate, stimulate ideas and spark innovation. And you always want to be a little different. At 11.30, we'll be joined by Kyle Schoenman, and he's an interior designer and the author of the first apartment book. And it's Cool Designs for Small Spaces. And if you live in New York City or it's a first-time apartment or you have small space that's hard to work with, he's the guy. Um, he's the guy to talk to. He knows how to make small space look great. And sometimes that's difficult. Please visit DottieHerman.com for exciting news and, lady, and the latest information. You can visit me at www.DottieHerman.com. Of course, if you have any questions, you can call us at 866-970-9622. Okay. And, of course, you can always follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Dottie Herman. Um, so I'm all over. You can find out anything you'd like. I thought that I'd start out by giving you a little bit about the national market, um, and then I'll get further into the tri-state. But basically, you know, up to date, we are in what we call a lock-in event, and in which this home, when homeowners are disincentivized um, to list their homes for sale because of costs, difficulty in finding a new home. I mean, there's not so many, there's not a lot of inventory, and of course, you know, interest rates have gone way up. Um, and finding a new home is seriously hard. Um, the supply of existing homes for sale is very low. It's actually at a record low. Uh, and, and, of course, increased mortgage rates keeping going up, up, up has really not make it, made it easy and has 
put a lot of people out of the market. I think if the interest rates would go up to about, would be at about five, we'd have a completely different market. But I'm understanding that they might raise them again, which I really believe is a mistake. Um, during the second quarter of 23, okay, as far as New York real estate goes, um, the market was volatile. It was as volatile as the stock market, um, with the market full of ultra-luxury apartments, both condo and co-op. That's kind of remained slow. What's really been busy is, of course, the smaller units, which are having a run. And they are now sunk in the doldrums because you can't get them. They're hard to find. Um, in one- and two-bedroom market properties that might have commanded several bids in April have now set unpurchased through the month of June. Given that economic realities have actually improved a bit since the start of the year, the slowdown in purchase activity can probably be attributed to difference in the perception of value between buyers and sellers. And that happens a lot. Okay, everything sells at a price. Okay, so at some number, I think maybe buyers are a little bit too high and sellers might come in a little bit too low. But you can always negotiate. Remember, never give up. If you want to make an offer and it's rejected, make sure your broker gives a counteroffer. And if you have good terms, make sure you basically make your broker tell the terms because terms are just as important as price. And if the, the um, seller doesn't accept your offer, as I always tell you, leave a standing offer. Don't take it off the market. Say, I hope you, you know, tell the broker, listen, if they get their price, so be it. But if not, my offer stands. And, of course, that doesn't commit you to anything. If you find something else in the interim, um, then you don't have to take it. And if you're a seller, just remember, sometimes the best offices, offers are in the beginning. And sometimes when your home or your apartment isn't on the market long, you sometimes say, well, let me wait a little bit. You know, I just put it out. And sometimes the first offer is the best. Some parts of the market present challenges which make their lack of appeal to purchases much more understandable. Poor conditions remain an enormous barrier to the sale of properties across the price, size, and location spectrum. And of course, new construction, we definitely have a shortage of housing, and we need more housing. But again, there's fewer contractors, and a lot of them don't want to work anymore, or at least they don't want to work full-time. Um, so the construction is really behind, but we definitely have a shortage of housing, and that's across the country. Anybody who's buying a large co-op in a building with summer work rules, and remember, if you're buying a co-op, um, you have to go by their rules, and sometimes they have summer rules which allow you not to do any work. Um, you can only do it at certain times. So sometimes the work could take years. So that's something that I think the co-op boards need to kind of re-examine um, because so many condos sell quicker because sometimes the co-ops are just too cumbersome to work through. Um, the issue of monthly payments also slows buyers down. Okay, so I think co-ops have to kind of take a deep breath and I don't say make easy rules, but kind of lighten them up a little bit I think it's important if you want to compete with condos. Of course, labor costs have rise also. So there's a lot of things that are making housing difficult, and that's kind of why we've had a lull this year. Um, 
as you know, during the pandemic, everyone just paid any amount of money. Um, they bid, they bid ridiculously, sometimes well over asking price just to win. And that is definitely not a good idea. Um, you should always have a price set in mind, something that you can afford, not necessarily which you can borrow, because sometimes you can borrow more than you really want to spend. You should sit down, especially if you're buying with somebody, and talk about what is a comfortable number for you to spend and still do the things that you want to do. Some people would spend more and be, able, and, and be willing to sacrifice certain things. And other people, hey, if they have the sacrifice going out and going to dinner, it's going to you know, cause problems. So it's, some, it's really a good conversation that you should have. Again, I'm going to urge them not to increase interest rates again, um, if they, if they, I, but I think they do. Um, signed contracts for properties listed at $4 million and above show a different reality in recent weeks. Trades in the $4 million and up range have logged their biggest numbers, and that's in New York City in years. And so we're seeing a lull in one part of the market, and we're seeing a a pickup in another, and I think the reasons are complex. Um, the vast majority of sales in our marketplace, I'm talking about the tri-state now, occur at 1.5 million and below. This is followed by sales between 1.5 million and 3 million. That's the second highest group. While the big sales at 10 million or more get all the press because, hey, listen, that's what people want to read about, all the mansions and the movie star houses. Um, while they get the press, they do not drive the market. So while there has been an increase in purchases at $4 million and above, that increase is more than offset by the decrease in sales during the month of June, in particular at the lower numbers where the majority of sales occur. Now again, let me just, you know, I don't think seasonality plays as an important role as it did years ago, but there is some sense of seasonality. And if I had to guess on a, a slow time for the city, usually it's the summer. Okay, people are away. A lot of people are in Europe. And usually if they are looking for a house, spring is probably the biggest time. Um, and then after that, sometimes right after the summer's over. So those are things that you should look at. The rental market has cooled slightly over the past three months, but rents in Manhattan remain at historic high levels um, in Midtown, downtown Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens, with no sign of any breaking at any time. A very limited supply of rentals combined with enormous demand makes every, every rental costing $5,000 or less because that's cheap in New York City, believe it or not. Um, a hot commodity. So we're still having multiple bids, and what I suggest if you are looking for a rental, that you get a very good broker, and you are really on top of it, and as soon as something comes out, you uh, bid on it or go see it or see a virtual tour of it. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest uh, trying to discount it too much because um, it looks like, you know, we have a, a shortage of rentals. So that's, um, that's pretty much what I think about that. But I would like to just point out that if you're really having trouble getting rentals, one of the newest, hottest apartment areas that a lot of people, and even I haven't talked about a lot, is the Bronx. 
where there's clusters of new luxury apartments along the Harlem River and competitive prices are drawing a lot of crowds. And developers are pouring money into new buildings in the Bronx, especially in the popular, it's called Mod Haven neighborhood, where much of the new supply, and they have brand new buildings, is poised to open. Some of it's not open yet, but it's worth you take a, a look. Even global giants such as Brookfield Properties are developing multifamily towers in the area, which boast riverfront views, so you have riverfront views, and you have views of the Manhattan skyline. New York renters have taken notice. And by the way, I think this is an interesting fact. Online traffic for Bronx rentals listings in June ranked the highest for any location in the Northeast, according to the apartments research company Rent Cafe. Listing traffic, okay, for the Bronx has increased nearly 50% since last year. Okay, and uh, a lot of people are feeling that, hey, that's a place to look at. Uh, the new rents' interest reflect how expensive, and this is because how expensive it's New York, Brooklyn, and Queens has gotten. And don't forget, I don't want to count how many years ago this was because it was years ago, but how did Brooklyn become so popular? It became popular when people got priced out of New York, and then they said, okay, well, we'll go to Brooklyn. It's cheaper. And then, of course, Brooklyn became as expensive as New York City. <laughs> and, and now Queens is up there. So it's something to consider. If you haven't gone there and you're not familiar with it, it's worth you to take a, take a, a little tour around there because um, it's cheaper. The median price of rent in New York in, hit um, over $4,000, which is probably one of the highest in the country. You can always look across the Hudson, and you could go to Jersey City. Um, but they also saw double-digit percentage rent hikes. They're still cheaper than New York City, but they've gone up a lot. Rents in the newly developed Mott Haven, which is in uh, Bronx, has grown 31% since 2019. So if you bought any investments there, uh, which I think we've talked about here or there, um, you've really made money on the rental income and probably, and, and also for sales. Uh, Mott Haven is starting to really explode, and it's really something that, I, again, um, its commute is not that bad. It's an excellent opportunity, and you have a rare opportunity to build on waterfronts. You can get waterfronts, and the commute isn't horrible at all. So it's something that I would consider you to definitely, 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 definitely take a look at. Okay, I try to keep you up on the real estate. It changes ever so quickly. And with that, I want to introduce my, uh, my counterpart for this first hour, Stephen Moranis. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Donnie. How are you today? Oh, oh I'm great. Okay, and Stephen is, all I can say to this is, let us let me go back. I don't want to say how many years because it will date us. But, gosh, I've been working with Stephen. Stephen, God, first of all, I had a family business in Canada for as long as I've known him. I mean, his family is one of the biggest 
uh, real estate families in Canada, so he certainly knows everything. And since then, you've really uh, branched out to do a million things. You want to tell everybody what it is that you, I mean, you do so many different things now. I'm not sure which one to pick first. So how would you describe yourself? Well, I, I, I kind of operate as a uh, strategist and a consultant and a, and a columnist. So my uh, collaborator, uh, is a hater, is professor at Toronto Metropolitan University. We write a weekly column for Financial Post, and we cover um, all the uh, sort of the economics and the issues around the real estate industry, which includes all aspects. It includes residential, commercial, industrial, retail, rental, as well as related um, direct fields that impact real estate, like real real estate taxes, uh, federal taxes on sale of properties, um, transportation, which is a huge issue. Um, and we can talk about some of these things. Um, so that's kind of what we do. I mean, we were fortunate. We were uh, asked to be witnesses in front of the, um, it's like in front of the Senate in the U.S., in front of the Finance Committee, federal government, on their study uh, on housing inflation and real estate inflation, which was an interesting three-hour experience for both of us, um, you know, talking about what we felt were the problems and, and some of the possible solutions. So I think, uh, you know, the good thing, Canada is, is a separate country than the U.S. I mean, it, we've sometimes been um, defined as the 51st state, Uh we have a lot of common interests. We have common uh, common friends and families across the borders. It's a friendly border um, that, you know, is uh, somewhat challenged these days as your southern border is. But uh, my father was born in Philadelphia. So, you know, we have a lot of connections with the U.S. And, and the real estate sector is very similar throughout North America, both how the real estate brokerage industry operates as well as the uh, financing industry operates and all those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I've been busy with. Uh, it's yes. interesting. It's, it's changing all the time. I mean, one of the things we can all sort of share uh, some experience with, unfortunately, you know, Canada right now is just uh, – Challenged by forest fires throughout the country, British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, yeah. Quebec. Talk about and, that. Uh, that's, wait, maybe you could just stop with that because, of course, we've been getting some of the. Uh, should I say something? Well, of unfortunately, bad air? we're giving we're giving you the bad air, which we still have. Yeah. And, and you, you know, know, I have lung issues, so it's really difficult for me. And I love Canada. Um, and those of you who have never been to Canada. Really, you could drive there. I mean, it's just a great place. I, I, I love it. But what's that all about? I know we're going to have a break coming up, so I kind of want you to start yeah, it. I, th I, I think, unfortunately, our federal government doesn't have enough... Uh doesn't have enough planes to fight the forest fires, which is unfortunate. And um, they're just still uncontrolled right now. And Well, you know, can you continue this right after the break? Because we're coming to a break, and it's been affecting us so much, and it's affecting you guys. I want to talk a little about that more, and if you see an end to this. 
because we certainly okay. want this to end. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about the fires that have, from Canada that have been affecting New York. It's on everybody's mind. And uh, we'll be back with Stephen Moranis to talk about that. I'm super excited about the conversation I just had with Alex Kinsella over at Route 22 Toyota. He was catching me up on the landscape of the automotive industry, and i got to tell you, he really seems to have it figured out. Alex and his entire team over at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey, makes the entire car shopping experience easy. He let me know that while inventory levels are far from perfect, they finally got a nice selection of new cars over at Route 22 Toyota, including RAV4 and Highlanders. Plus, they're holding inventory for local New Jersey residents versus selling them to people calling from out of state. Call Route 22 Toyota at 973-705-8905 and let the team show you one of the area's largest selections of new Toyota vehicles. And be sure to check out their huge selection of pre-owned and Toyota certified used vehicles while you're there. That's 973-705-8905. And remember to tell them that Joe Piscopo sent you. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, poor candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy, Rizinkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clearer skin at four months, and SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand, nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Don't use if allergic to Skyrizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Skyrizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit skyrizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRIZZY to learn more. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date. And I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. On 9-11, 2,977 people lost their lives. And today, 9-11 related illnesses continue to take lives. Yet an entire generation knows little to nothing about our nation's darkest day. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is righting this wrong by educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about 9-11 with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers, a speaker's bureau for classrooms, 
with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A mobile exhibit, a tractor trailer that's an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts, and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for the Children of Program Recipients. We must educate future generations. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's T, the number two, T.org. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're back with my uh, good friend and uh, Stephen Moranis, who's a strategist and a columnist for the Financial Post and the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and former director of the Canadian Real Estate Association. So, Stephen, we were just talking about the fires um, from Canada, and, of course, it's affecting us tremendously. What's going on there? How come they can't seem to... I mean, do you think it's going to go on for a long time? What's what's the... Why can't they get their handle on it? Listen, I think it's uh, all related to climate change and very harsh weather conditions, which you're experiencing in southern U.S. with, you know, um, triple-digit temperatures, uh, from what I gather, and tornadoes and, and storms and stuff like that. So yes. a, lot of the fire, the, a lot of the fires are um, initiated by lightning, you know, so crazy weather conditions. But we now currently, we have currently about 4,300 fires uh, and, and more than half are uncontrolled. And How many fires there. did you say? Give me that number again. 4,300. 4,300. Now, wait, when you say fires, okay, you know, a fire could be a small fire, a big fire. What's the scope of these fires? Are they huge? The scope, the collective scope of all the fires, one of the biggest ones is in British Columbia, but all the fires are currently... Uh, destroyed over 27 million acres, larger than the country of Portugal and or the state of Kentucky. So, you know, Canada is a very large landmass country. You know, we're probably, you know, as, as large as uh, one of the largest countries in the world from, from a land uh, size mass, but it's still a significant amount of uh, destruction caused. And we're, you know, it's interesting with with the weather and climate change, and this affects all areas of real estate, we now this weekend have floods in uh, in Nova Scotia, Halifax, and Maritime. So there's t- torrential rains and floods, and people are, have to evacuate their communities. Um, I think uh, th- this is clearly something we all have to address. I mean, you know, they, I mean, one of the things about real estate, you know, some of the the futurists are saying with climate change and, and, and global warming that sea levels could rise 10 feet. And you know, what does 10 feet mean if it, the sea, if the oceans rise 10 feet? How does that impact coastal communities, Miami, New York City? It would um, wipe them out. You know, it could wipe Vancouver, them out. Vancouver and Halifax. So I think... I think it's something we all have to address, and hopefully governments are. And it, it, it seems like, uh, in my recollection of all so many years, I, I can't recall that we're facing. Such, you're breaking uh, up a little bit. I, I you're yeah, breaking up a little. I'm bit. So, yeah, I, I can't 
recall us facing such extreme weather conditions over, you know, the last few decades. It's really crazy. So what do they do? I mean, what, what you know, do they see this? I guess it doesn't look like this is going to get under control in the very near future. I mean, what, do you, what are they forecasting in Canada? Well, there other countries have pitched in, both America, New Zealand, Australia. They've sent firefighters to help us fight the fires in Canada. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, some firefighters have, have died during this, you know, process. It's a, it's a risky, uh, a risky, you know, business to fight a fire, a forest fire. And um, we probably need more planes that drop water, water bombers, which I think we're short of. And um, it, it's, it's something that's not going away quickly. Can I ask you, Stephen, is this something that maybe could have not been prevented but been lessened to some extent? Is it that Canada really didn't do enough to be prepared for this or they didn't expect this to happen? I mean, has this ever happened I before? Think- Never to this extent um, have we had this kind of extreme harsh weather that has really um, instigated these forest fires and and probably a bit of both. We weren't, you know, we we didn't properly predict it and probably we weren't properly prepared. I mean, I spoke to friends in New York. I mean, I think there was a time most recently when the fires the smoke was coming from Quebec and, and northern Ontario. That and I saw pictures that you had like yellow skies, yellow brown yes. skies in New New York, and uh, you know that's unfortunately thanks to Canada. I posted on my Facebook a picture I took from my window that when I tell you there was no visibility, it just looked like yellow. It just looked like a yellow haze, and you couldn't see anything. And it's really hard for people to breathe, especially people who have lung conditions or older people. Um, the air quality is bad. So um, a lot of people ha- are being recommended to just stay indoors. Um, do you see any let up in the near future? Because I guess that's going to affect us also. Uh, you don't see any let up in the near future, I don't think, do, do you? I don't think, well, the sort of the the... Forest fire season, you know, continues right through September. So, you know, we're not even in August yet, right? So who knows how this is going to sort of play itself out? Is it going to get worse, worse than, you know, we've experienced already? I think no one knows. And, um, you know, and all of a sudden we now have a mix of torrential rains and floods in various parts of, of the city where evacuations are required. Wow. So let me let me let me branch out to something. I mean, that's we're just gonna have to say some prayers for that and hope that we get through this. Uh, well, we'll get through it, but hope we get through it as best we can. But let's talk about the market in Canada, and I want to compare it to the, what what's happening in the U.S. I mean, of course, you know, in the U.S., we're seeing a very big shortage of inventory, uh, higher interest rates affordability has become a, va- uh, you know, a factor, and there's very little inventory at all. Uh, what, what do you experience in Canada as far as in the residential and also in the office arena, you know, office and commercial uh, sector? Well, okay, and that's, we're very similar to what you're experiencing in the U.S. 
were fighting um, the challenges of higher interest rates, which were just raised in Canada a quarter of a percent, and they're predicted to be raised again uh, in September, which is the next sort of uh, period that the Bank of Canada will adjust, uh, consider, you know, adjust the, the bank rate. And, you know, unfortunately, look, they want to fight inflation, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, higher interest rates and housing costs uh, contribute to inflation. So, you know, you're sort of, you know, you're trying to reduce inflation, but you're also contributing to it by what you're doing. So that sort of is a double-edged sword. I mean, I think the other thing, we have clearly a supply, a supply problem. Um, construction is a problem. Uh, Same with it us. Takes, it takes, just in Ontario, the bigger biggest city is Toronto. Toronto is very similar to New York City, just in in a demographics. Uh, you know, just it's it's a it's a very multicultural, multiracial city, which is great. And it takes 500 days to get planning approvals for a new condominium or anything, and and then construction is two to five years. So just sort of figure that out. I mean, you're talking supply can't be delivered. It could be anywhere from five to seven years. So any of the projects where there's cranes in the air, and there are a lot in Toronto, it's for delivery in 26, 27, or 28. That doesn't help the current supply problem. And then we have, you know, the basically the hybrid work uh, reality where people want to work from home and virtually work and all the other stuff. So. Toronto is facing the same challenges as New York City. Huge vacancies of office buildings. Um, our research uh, found us that, you know, I think New York City's got something like 90 million square feet of vacant office space, which equals 26 Empire State buildings. Now, I mean, uh, we did read, read with interest the New York City Economic Development Corporation and the New York City Industrial Development Agency. They launched a program, Manhattan Commercial Revitalization Program, MCOR, to try to help owners of older buildings sort of revitalize them to get them to become more popular. But, you know, what this is all linked with, Dottie, is there's a huge tax loss for the municipalities. I'm not sure exactly, we, we read some bits and pieces, but the Toronto Transit Commission, which is the, you know, the subway system and the bus right. system, is barely at 60% uh, occupancy, um, you know, which is sort of terrible, and they're gonna lose a couple billion dollars. So well, how do they keep that? keep the subways going and the buses going when no one wants to take them. It's amazing. It's so similar in the U.S. Matter of fact, the traffic is worse than the pandemic because everyone's driving. I think we should continue this. Um, it's quite interesting. And I think it's a fine line on how to fix this. And if you don't get it quite right, it can, get it, it can make it worse. We'll be right back talking about this.
This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you. And without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years. And it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pregatopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pregatopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pregatopia Unlimited. Go to Pregatopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life. Every Sunday night, some of the world's most inspirational and influential people join me to discuss health and wellness, professional development, and personal well-being. They share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. If you miss a show, be sure to visit our website so you can listen on demand. And while you're there, read our digital magazine and take part in our book club. Visit CYACYL.com. That's CYACYL.com. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Let's talk about my friends at Bay Ridge Honda because they are kicking off July 4th savings by saving you $1,500. That's how much you get when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, get 0 APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy a car from them, they want to buy your car. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 73023. The Joe Piscopo Show, mornings 6 to 10 on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. With over 100 years of law enforcement and his family's blue blood, Tommy Setner gives a just-the-facts, bird's-eye street perspective on all things current events, politics, law enforcement, and entertainment. Joined by Robin DeLore, producer and entertainer. The Tommy Setner Show. Buckle up, America. Listen to The Tommy Setner Show with Robin DeLore, weekdays at noon on AM 970, The Answer. Our hosts all look like GQ models. See them now at am970theanswer.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. 
We're back, and I'm here with my guest, Stephen Moranis, and we're talking about how hard it is to buy a home in uh, or the U.S. and Canada. They're very similar. And I just wanted to quote an article from Real Trends, Stephen, that says, and this is about the U.S., it hasn't been this hard to buy an existing home in at least a decade. Only 14 out of every 1,000 U.S. homes changed hands during the first six months of 23. Um, and that's from a, a report from Redfin. High mortgage rates and depleted housing inventory have zigzags. They, they've got just taken over, and they have uh, hurt any availability. And in the first six months of 23, roughly 14 of every 1,000 U.S. homes changed hands. And that's down from 19 of every 1,000 during the same period in 2019. So to make it simple, prospective home buyers have 28% fewer homes to choose from than they did before the pandemic. Um, that's what's going on here. It's very difficult. And I guess you're experiencing the same thing. We de we definitely are ex experiencing the same hurdles. Um, I think one of the biggest issues for potential home buyers and and the younger group, millennials and younger, is getting a down payment. So a lot of people, um, if you're not fortunate to have the bank of mom and dad, yes, my um, how the how the heck do you put together the down payment um, to purchase a home, let alone you know, carry the, the interest costs, uh, you know, with the higher, you know, the higher mortgage rates. Um, there's a, a very creative Canadian company has just launched a program uh, in Canada that they will loan you 50% of the deposit up to 25%, which is sort of under a more, you know, an insured mortgage, you know, which right. is uh, CMHC similar to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So they'll loan you 12.5% and they become kind of an equity uh, participant in the upside uh, when you sell it later. But, you know, you basically don't have to pay for it and it's at no interest. It's kind of a curious, interesting program. I'm not sure if, if similar programs like that have been launched in the U.S., but I think that's a major hurdle for, you know, first-time home buyers is, how do you put together the deposit monies? Yeah, well, there's programs people should look into, but a lot of them depend on income and things of that. Um, you know, you have to have a certain, you know, limited amount of income. But just the fact, the typical home in the U.S. is selling for about 40% more than before the pandemic, okay? And I don't understand. I understand what you spoke about in the beginning as far as they want to curb inflation. But um, if mortgage rates dropped closer to 5%, it would make the biggest dent in the affordability crisis by freeing inventory up and bringing monthly payments down. Um, besides for building more homes. I mean, it's a serious problem. Uh, um, and a lot of people, again, if you... If you purchased a home during the pandemic and you were fortunate enough to get like a 3% mortgage, you're certainly not going to sell it uh, and try to buy something else and, and lose that, that interest rate that you have. So that's another reason people aren't putting their homes on the market. So there's really very little to pick from.
Well, there's no question that is really paralyzing the normal trading activity because if you're if you've got a three percent mortgage for even thirty years or ten years or whatever you might have it, you're not going into the market to move up and face a six or seven or whatever percent mortgage it's gonna end up being, you know, today or tomorrow. And and you know, that sort of uh absolutely freezes the market for, you know, normal trading. Yeah, I and I think, you know, this is a problem in California. It's a major problem. And as you started to talk about earlier, um, I think it has a lot to do with, like, first of all, let's talk about what we started talking about a little bit, like office space. Now, there's so much office space that's not going to be utilized. And again, um, the buildings that are not modern, again, New York is trying to help those buildings because if it's not a brand new building or it doesn't have all the amenities, you can forget it. So at least they're trying to help buildings that are older with, you know, with getting them modernized. But the zoning, you know, it's so hard to change zoning if they could change the zoning a little bit. But, you know, that would, I, to me, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I think that that's kind of like years and years and years away because, you know, we could use more residential zoning if possible. How about you again? Well, just th- yeah. It, well, same here. Just think if you, if you could convert the 90 million square feet of vacant office space in New York City, Manhattan, to residential, that would be a huge, um, you know, positive on the supply of, of, you know, residential, whether it be rental or condo or co-op. Um, supplies. So I, you know, but you're right. It, it's not such a simple conversion no. with respect to rezoning. And we have the same thing here. I mean, the one thing, you know, what's understated, Dottie, what is understated is actually the vacancy because the vacancy is real. It doesn't include all the offices that are up for sublease, you know, where someone is, say, a law firm that's got five floors and they all right. realize they only only want two floors they're paying their rent trying to be a good tenant but yet they're not using their space and um you know that even adds to the real vacancy rate and you know because utility you know someone who's a good tenant paying you know paying their 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 rent and whether they're on fifth avenue or park avenue and a nice building you know probably half of their people are coming to work uh sort of post-pandemic, and they can walk through their office, and they've got empty well, desks and empty offices and all those kinds of things. You know, I think the vacancy rates are extremely understated, and part of it is it affects, you know, the owners of these properties, whether it's real estate investment trusts or private owners, with respect to their their mortgages and stuff, because their income is absolutely greatly affected. Yeah, well, I, I agree, and I agree that, and I think I'm going to talk about it on next week's show. Really, what's happened is the pandemic has changed the world, period. And so you would really have to, there's no quick fix, because you would have to rethink some of the trends that the pandemic created that I don't see going away. For example, I know that people are trying to get, you know, employees back full time to work. Like, you know, they're trying to get them to go to work because 
if they don't go to work five days a week, obviously they have a problem with space. Second of all, then the merchants, like the stores and the and the restaurants, they all suffer because then if you don't go to work, you're probably not going to go out and eat lunch someplace. So it really has a great effect. But in my opinion, and this is an opinion, I don't see that trend changing. I don't see people saying, hey, you know what? We're going to rush back to work. I know some employers are, you know, mandating it. But I think that other, other uh, companies are saying, well, you know, if you come with us, we're not going to enforce five days a week. Maybe you'll only have to come in four. And I think that's here to stay. I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has changed, the way people want to work. And I think that now you've got to re-really configure space. And that's a monumental job. Um, again, you don't want to take too much office space away, but you, you're never going to need this, the amount that we, we've had. I, I, at least that's no, my opinion. I don't think I have a crystal I, ball. But no, I, 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 think, I think practically that is true, and it's true in Toronto and Vancouver, Montreal, the three major cities in Canada. I'm sure it's true in Los Angeles and Chicago and New York and Philadelphia and Boston. There's absolutely a glut of office space that's underutilized and vacant that, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what do we do with this, and it's not a simple solution. No, and even though I think that, there does, you know, Zooms don't replace what I consider interaction or what I consider creates culture in companies, but you don't have to have people in five days a week to create that. You know, you can have people come in like maybe twice a month or three times a month or once a week, and you can still create culture. And um, you can also have a larger workforce if you don't have to recruit from the, the cities. So, you know, maybe someone doesn't have to live in New York City or Toronto. Maybe they can live further away now. Um, do you see that as a possible, is that, you know, some of the things that are going on in Canada? Or That is, that is absolutely going on in Canada. There's a, there's, there's, a flight to the suburbs and in fact the rural areas no question about that i mean some of our editors that work with post media you know they're not they come to the office maybe once or one or two one time a week or once every two weeks every you know and they're everyone's just as productive but you know post media is sitting there with a bunch of empty office space so you know that and it's it's probably no different for hearst publications or any of the other media companies, I think there's a big fundamental problem that people haven't really got a grip on yet, is these municipalities are going to be really short of realty taxes. So what happens with all these retail office vacancies where no one's paying business tax or realty tax? How How is New York City or Toronto going to operate and fund all their social services, education, policing, fire, they won't have the money. And I'm sure well, it's already ev- evident and, now. And the answer is to keep on taxing the wealthy few percenters that live here because then they're, they're starting to say, hey, you know what? We'll pay more to live in New York City, but then there's a limit. And they're moving to lower tax states like Florida and things of that nature where they can, 
you know, take a quick flight into New York if they have to for once a week. But it's, but it's, but they pay so much less in taxes. So it's such a complex problem. I don't, I, you know, I don't know where you tackle it. I just think that some of the, uh, I'm hoping that some of the politicians have worked in their life to, you know, you know, not just theory, because a lot of times what sounds good in the books doesn't really work. No, it's a challenge to the health, healthiness of our neighborhoods and communities for sure. And, you know, we, we all are facing, you know, more sort of urban crime, you know, more lack of services. I mean, I got to tell yeah. you, Toronto, Toronto's got the most potholes on every street. The infrastructure, <laughs> well. the, the infrastructure is just completely falling apart. And I'm sure it's a challenge in for every major, major city in North America. Yeah. And, you know, I look at, like, small like small businesses there. You see their signs out of business all over. The only ones that seem to be able to survive this are, like, the chains, like the big chain stores that you see in malls. And I wouldn't want to see the cities reduced to only malls, even though, but that's kind of, like, the only ones that really can afford to survive it if you're a small business i you've got a tough road unless you can figure out something that's like a specialty that nobody has well you know we we faced unfortunately great retailers they just closed in june the end of june nordstrom and nordstrom rack closed all their stores in canada just couldn't make it target came here and couldn't make it you know it's it's not that they weren't aren't good retailers the foot traffic isn't there, and um, obviously the cost made no sense, and they're fighting with online shopping, right? If, that's another if everyone, thing. So that's changed the dynamics of the, um, you know, the, the, the survival of retail. If, if online shopping is 50%, these guys all have to figure out um, – you know, how many locations, how much bricks and mortar do we really need, right? I mean... I know. I uh, I would love to do a show with you, Stephen, on the pandemic and the... That would be great. I'd be happy to. ...on the residuals of the pandemic that none of us even thought about. I mean, look, the pandemic was bad enough, and we never thought it was going to last as long as it did. But I don't think we were really thinking about, gee... What happens after the pandemic's over? How it changed the world and how it changed the way people think and how the people want to work and how people shop because they got used to... I never shopped online. I never very rarely shopped online until the pandemic. Then I had no choice. No. Stephen, it was great. And this hour is up so quick. You have to promise me come back in the next week or two. Okay? We want. I really want to finish this. I'm happy to listen. Have all of us to your listeners, and I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to carrying on the conversations. Have and a great week. I weekend. look forward to finally seeing you soon, too. Either I'll come to Canada or you'll come to New York. Um, we'll be back with our second hour, and we have some great guests lined up for you. We'll be right back.
The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.